I'm not a big Halloween guy. As a film buff, I can appreciate what the horror genre that accompanies this time of year has to offer people, but really, it does nothing for me. I'm liking that genre even less these days when it feels like we're in a very slow moving horror film. And every time we think that we've reached the resolution, it's a false ending and the monster rears its head again. And that monster is real. It's disease and for some death. Happy Halloween. That sentiment seems like maybe it's a bit incongruous with the gospel reading today, the greatest commandment. And definitely with the psalm, which feels like maybe the most positive, upbeat thing ever. And yet it is in these kinds of discrepancies that we can sometimes find great meaning and understanding, even if we can't put it into words. But I'll try. You have to understand that when Jesus shared the greatest commandment, it was probably in kind of a scary time for many of his followers. While it's fall... This story takes place in the church calendar right after Palm Sunday, during Holy Week. Jesus is in Jerusalem, and he's in the temple sticking it to the man again and again. He's already dissed the chief priests and along with the scribes and church elders to the point that they wanted to arrest him, but they didn't because of the gathering crowds. The Sadducees, on whose name if we were back in more interactive storytelling times, you would all boo at because you know they're always the bad guys. So the Sadducees are trying to catch Jesus with his own words. They do it with a question about taxes, and then we get to our question today. Which commandment is the greatest of all? Now, this is not some Sunday school class friendly conversation. This is a scribe that had watched the others trying to catch Jesus and felt like he had the way to do it. Now, before I move to Christ's response, let me go back to why this time is so stressful for those following Christ. We're in Jerusalem. He's coming on the donkey. He's driven the money changers from the temple. There's revolution in the air. Certainly, there is a lot of hope and excitement, but I can't imagine that the disciples weren't also extremely extremely aware of the precarious nature of their proximity to this rabble-rouser. They had to know that this could go south on them at any moment, and they'd be imprisoned or even tortured and killed. That had to be in their heads. Tumultuous times. And we know they're going to get a lot harder for the disciples before they get better. But back to the temple and Jesus. He's been asked, what is the greatest commandment? And his answer is the culmination of all the temple teachings. This is it. This is Christ's mic drop moment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Boom, nailed it. And the, and the scribe has to be like, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're right, a little more important than burnt offerings. And Jesus recognizes the wisdom in the scribe that has try, was trying to catch him and acknowledges that he is not far from the kingdom of God. Not bad. I wonder how we would match up to even that scribe in our proximity to the kingdom of God. <clears throat> but in this simple response, Christ lays out everything for us. Love God. 
love ourselves, love others. How are the ways we do that? I think we actually consider that those questions a fair amount. And I think we as a faith community recognize that this love is not a shallow friendly greeting or simply being nice to others. This is a deep love, a love that transforms and shifts the ground upon which we stand. This is a love that makes us do things that seem strange to the world around us. This is a love that aches and calls for justice. This is a love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This is a love that brings us peace. This is a love that fills us with grace. This is a love that gives us hope. And yet, this is a hard time. We are very good at seeing the ways we fail that love. I think it might be easiest to see how we fail others, even each other, but we fail to love God and we fail to love ourselves too. Right now, we're in kind of a strange place. It may not be the background setting of a horror film, but things do feel off. We're online, we're in person, we're online. We're back in person, sort of. We're hurting in different ways and in similar ways. We're tired in many respects and in many areas of life. It can feel like we're just trying to make it through. In conversations with several different folks over the last couple of weeks, I've heard the analogy of trying to drink from a fire hose come up again and again. It can all feel a bit much. But God is here among us. God is working to make something new. I believe that. I see signs of that. One of those signs is our adult CE this fall. I strongly encourage each of you to go online and go through this curriculum, whether you can show up to our conversations in CE or not. This is something important that we all need to do together. I believe it is one of the ways that we will see more clearly who we are. And the better we know who we are, the more God's love can envelop us, can encourage us, can enable us. This is a stepping stone for other work to come that will help us move through and out of this time to what comes next. And I don't claim to know what all that work is or what it will look like, but I can see this is where we need to go. There's energy here. There's engagement there. This is right. What signs of God at work among us have you seen? And if the idea of doing work <laughs> makes you feel more tired, I get that. Don't worry. Sure, there will be moments when it feels that way, but finding these stepping stones and searching for God's love at work in us and around us and through us strikes me as the ultimate antidote to the diseases of fear, apathy, and lethargy. 
we can get through this time together. And so we find ourselves here on All Hallows Eve. And I wonder, if we took the time to, to listen to the saints, what wisdom would they impart to us? I remember visiting my opa, my grandfather, a year or two before his death. I knocked on the door to his apartment and let myself in. And I heard him talking to someone in his bedroom. I called out and he told me to come on back. I wish I could remember the exact words he said, but it went something like this. You probably heard me talking. I'm not going senile. I was talking with those that I love that have long since passed away. I know that they're not here, but they comfort me and they help me. I'll admit, it felt weird. And I wondered if this wasn't some form of senility, but in another sense, it felt really right and oddly healthy to reach out to those that you know love you and care about you, to reach out to those that already have had their own lives with their own trials and tribulations and shortcomings. And so I wanna give you some homework this week. Maybe it's in the car on the way to work, maybe it's on a walk experiencing the miracle of God's creation, maybe it's folding laundry or some other task, but I ask you to consider two things. One, who are the saints that are speaking to you? Consider how they love you. Consider what they offer you. Two, how do you express this deep love Christ is talking about? How do you love God? How do you love yourself? How do you love others? Now, I'm going to pull Mr. Rogers here and ask us to take just one minute right now to consider one of these questions. And before we do that, let me clarify something. <clears throat> On the question of how do you love God, yourself, and others, I am not asking how you could do that better. I am not asking you to consider where you think you fail to love. In fact, I am explicitly asking you not to consider that. Because while those are important questions, these questions are fundamental. They are necessary to ask before you move on to those. This is not like last week's story about the blind man asking Jesus to heal him. God asks us what we want because God loves us just the way we are. God... We don't need a change for God. We might change because of God's love, but that's different. So please just consider how you love God right now. Exactly how you are. 
Consider the ways and how you love yourself with all your wonderful quirks and imperfections. And consider the ways you love others as you love yourself. So, one, who are the saints that speak to you? And two, or two, how do you love God, yourself, and others? Consider this for your sake and for ours. I'll watch the clock. Thank you. Instead of a hymn of response, I'd like to share a song from Sufjan Stevens that's been stuck in my head a lot this fall and seemed fitting. The lyrics are in the back of your bulletins.